Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 397 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, we're going to get to see what a difference six months can make. And I have a short story here before we get going about the difference 24 hours can make. Before I get to all that, I want you to remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Today's guest is a return guest. It's Julia. And Julia is a, I would tell you she's a CDE, but she's calling herself something different now. There's been a change at, you know, I don't understand the whole thing, but there's some group of people who tells people what things are. CDEs are now Googling it. Certified diabetes educators credentials are changing to the Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist, the CDCES credential. All right, check this out. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. The show is also sponsored today by the Omnipod, tubeless insulin pump. You can find out more about that G6 at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And to get a free no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to you, all you have to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Now, short story. About 24 hours ago, the computer that I used to make this show just crashed. I mean, it took a You know what I mean? It was gone. At the time it crashed, there were 63 unproduced, already recorded episodes of this podcast living on it. But don't worry, they were also living on multiple backups online and physically here in my home. Anyway, it's been a stressful day. Everything's working again. We're back up and running. Uh, But I almost uh, threw up when I had to erase the computer to reinstall the backup because I knew I was functionally erasing 63 episodes of the show when I did it. And I was insanely scared that my backups weren't going to work, but gratefully they did. And here we are now. That's the difference 24 hours can make. Julia came on the show to talk about stress and anxiety, things like that around COVID back in April, and I never got the episode out. So this is going to be interesting for you, especially in the very beginning. It's very heavy with conversation about living with COVID-19 just as it began to happen. So you're really getting an insight into how I felt about it, how Julia felt about it, how it was impacting people. It's a, a little time capsule episode that I think might be timely because Well, you know, I mean, hopefully things are getting better, but seeing a rise in in infection a lot in a lot of the country. And uh, so I thought maybe now's a good time to run this one as a a reminder about how things seem in the moment, but maybe really aren't. Anyway, there's a little perspective here. Plus, Julie and I talk a ton about living with type 1 diabetes. It's a really great conversation, but it's a little front loaded with COVID stuff. 
that's a real look into how people's minds worked in the first few weeks. It was even very eye-opening for me when I edited this, when I edited this, why can't I say edited? When I edited this, and I heard myself talking about certain ideas. You know, we were, back then we were very worried about transferring virus by touching things and not so much about breathing at that point. Although masks were sort of a thing, but they, they weren't really at the time. We were in that kind of flux moment. I want to be clear because I don't want to trigger anybody. I wear a mask in public all of the time now. And I have since actually just, you know, not too long after a story you're going to hear me tell in the beginning. Anyway, I don't usually end up explaining myself in this podcast, but this is a very specific and touchy situation. Um, so anyway, why don't you just listen to it and you'll hear it for yourself. All right. So I am Julia. Um, I've been on this podcast previously. Um, I think a few episodes ago or maybe longer based on when Scott decides to put this out, but I am a diabetes care and education specialist. I live in Ohio and I have my PhD in nursing and my um, PhD work is pretty focused on the um, psychological factors related to diabetes self-management. And I, I've, oh, sorry. And I was going to say, and I've lived with type one for over 20 years. When people say I've lived with type one for 20 years and my, my first like subconscious thought is always, I wonder where they met. Like the, <laughs> In high school or at a dance, or, we, you know, we met um, before dance class in <laughs> elementary school. <laughs> We're just out there in the parking lot hanging out. Yeah, see, that's exactly right. Yeah, true story. I was on my way to dance class, and well, I thought, and my mom brought me to the pediatrician instead. <laughs> was that that was that a smoke and mirrors uh, duck and cover situation? Was she telling you it was dance class? She did she make a uh, in game decision and change? She got me in the car. And then, like, typically we would have gone to dance class from the bus stop, and she was like, hey, we're going to the pediatrician. And I flipped out. I was like, but dance class, but my friends. And she was like, we can go to dance class after, but that never happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your dance partner uh, isn't dancing anymore. Your pancreas. That's no. It's not working. No. Right. Well, okay. So, Julia, I thought after interviewing you last time, there are forever questions rolling into the podcast about like psychological ramifications around diabetes. And I sometimes bring it up to Jenny privately. And I was like, do you want to talk about this? I'm like, here's a question about, you know, and I read her the question. She goes, we can talk about it. She's like, but it's just going to be my opinion. And I was like, right. Okay. She's like, I don't have any like, you know, learning behind it. And I was like, gotcha. So one day when we were talking, I thought Julia's maybe we should try this with Julia. So you're, you're totally getting the gig here. All right, yeah. so we'll see how it goes. Right, and if you're bad, you'll know. You'll never be back on the podcast again. Don't take it personally. I can't, oh, hey. I, I can't <laughs> feed these people drivel. They, they've come to expect something, okay? But, you know, we're, it's weird. I never timestamp the episodes, but for, the, for this, it's April 21st, uh, 2020. And I don't know about you, but I have been pretty much in my home since March 13th. So two, three, four, five weeks. It's been over and a four month days. now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a while. Um, and I've noticed a couple of things about the world, and I've noticed a couple of things about our life, uh, and I've noticed some things about diabetes. So uh, before we get into the diabetes thing, would you like to hear a story from me picking up takeout food? 
I'd love to. It's a Corona-based story. So first, I want to be clear. I've only been out of my house and gone somewhere public four times since this has happened. Man. Each time has been to bring food back, usually from a grocery store. But this last weekend, we were like, should we order something? Like, we can order out. And that worked out really well. You know, like the pizza guy came and just abandoned the food on the, you know, on the front <laughs> step. We sent out a strike team with Lysol, uh, hit the boxes. Um, the strike team then uh, backed off. And then the, the movement team brought in the boxes, set it on a predetermined area, removed the food from the boxes, disposed of the boxes, washed their hands, cleansed the area, presented the food. By the yeah. by the time you're all done, the food's cold. But hey, at least you didn't have to cook, right? So right. <laughs> so that went really well. And we're like, huh, we could probably do that a little more frequently. So then another opportunity came up. And my son's like, hey, let's get that seafood from – there's a seafood place in town that people – it's funny. We like, but don't love. It's like one of those things where you're like, who wants deep fried seafood that's going to take six months off our life? And when we all agree, like once every two years, we go to this place. No lie. So it's a little, it's not shady. I don't want to say it's a shady place, but it's a place that's been there for a long time. Like you can see how it would have been quaint in the sixties. Okay. Like a hole in the wall place. A little bit. And okay. you go up these steps and through these doors and, you know, there's a little, you know, go through another door and now you're standing in a place a space that i'm going to call probably 20 feet wide but only about six feet deep and and that's you know we're in front of the counter but no, no no matter though julia because on the website there's clear instructions about how to pick up the food you call you uh pay in advance you show up you tell them you know when you pay what kind of car you have and they you know, bring it out to you. So I was like, oh, hell, all right. Like, you know, I'm going to flip open the back of my car. Somebody's going to set it in. I'll push another button. It'll go down. I won't even have to touch the food. Like, we'll be able to eliminate an entire strike team from this, you know, scenario. Well, I call and order the food. And I said, you know, I'll pay you now. And my car, she goes, no, no, just come in. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, you can just come in. So my, like, before coronavirus brain just thought, yeah, I mean, because nobody's ordering greasy seafood takeout. I'm going to be the only one. We're not going to go through this whole song and dance. I'm just going to show up and give them my credit card. And I'll, you know, I'll put the, uh, the, the, the schmutz on my credit card when I'm done. It'll be nice and clean and I'll be all set. So I roll in. And the important part of this is that Arden bolused some insulin. So uh -huh. I roll in, not a lot, just enough to get her moving. We had changed a pod recently. So I roll in and there are... I don't want to over-exaggerate. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten. There are around 11 cars in the parking lot. So I'm just like, obviously, 11 people work here. Well, no. <laughs> All right. So now I'm looking around better. There are people sitting in cars that have just picked up food. There are people sitting in cars that, that are like, you know, going through the whole thing. You Have you had this experience yet where you pull up somewhere and it's like you're going to rob a bank in an 80s movie? You're like you know, pulling on gloves and putting on a mask and everything. This is all, you know, so everyone's doing that in the car. Yeah. Well, well, Julia, here I am. I didn't bring a mask. Oh, no. Because just the entire lead up to this whole thing was, you know, I'm just going to 
they're going to bring it out to my car. So my whole planning was off. And then she kind of caught me by surprise. And the last thing that caught me by surprise is when I hung up the phone, she said, it'll be ready in 15 minutes. Well, it's a 10 minute ride. So I rushed out of the house. I didn't take this mask. So I get there and my common sense tells me, screw this food, go home, forget this. But my diabetes brain tells me, Arden gave herself some insulin. You need this food. All right. And so now I'm like, all right. So I I remove my credit card from my wallet so that I'm only carrying my credit card. And I put my phone somewhere where I won't touch it, you know, while I'm in there. Like, I've thought this through. And I've got my little, uh, I really should think of the right word for it. It's the aloe stuff with the alcohol in it. Uh, hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. Right. I, yeah. So I've got, I got my hand sanitizer. I've been calling it schmutz for so long that I don't really know what it is. So I got my hand sanitizer and I go in. Well, there are five other people in there. Now they are, of course, they are as far away from each other as they could be in like, you know, corners of this space. But I open the door, Julia, I'll have to bleep this. I, I'll, I open the door and people look at me like my d- is hanging out. Not just my, d- by the way, but my balls. Because okay? you're not wearing a mask. Because I'm not wearing, you're a, not mask. wearing a mask. Right. They looked at me like, oh my God. What is this insane person doing? And I had to fight off that feeling too because I was like, "Yeah, like be cool, brother." You, you know, like so. I walked in. The guy looks at me. And goes, yeah. what, "What's your name?" I go, "Scott." And he goes, "Oh yeah, not done yet." So now I'm like, "Oh, good thing I rushed." Like you know, right away. So now Ugh. I I find a place to stand. Now I want to be clear. Next, I don't touch a damn thing. Okay, I don't lean on a wall. I don't lean on a table. There are chairs to sit on. I don't sit on a chair. I am a island unto itself not touching anything right (laughs) now the four people that are in there two of them are seated on chairs with armrests and their hands are on the armrest they've got their masks on but they're holding the sides of the chair the third guy's leaning on the door the thing everyone who's been in there touches and now i'm in this interesting social situation and i think psychological experiment these people have no trouble pulling a credit card from their wallet, handing it to a man who's wearing gloves and a mask, but is not washing or cleansing his hands in between transactions. Hands it back to them. They finger the card up, jam it back in their wallet, jam it back in their pants. They're touching their shirts again. All this is going on. Then I start really paying attention. They get their food. One guy goes out to his car. I swear to God, reaches up with his hand, takes his mask off, runs his hand through his hair and begins to eat out of the package. He hasn't put anything on his hands. He hasn't cleaned himself off. Uh, Still the woman on the chair. Now people are coming in and out. They're all acting like if they don't get near each other, they're fine because they're Superman. They have this mask on, right? Meanwhile, most of them are just paper masks. There's nothing medical about them. I still am standing like the Statue of Liberty. Well, this goes on for quite some time. And eventually he, the gentleman at the counter turns to the woman uh, off in the corner sitting in the chair who's, you know, just just molesting this chair with her hands, probably, you know, out of anxiety. I'm really watching her. And she says, ma'am, let's have you pay now and yeah. then you'll be ready when the food comes out. And she looks at me and she goes, I'm not coming over there until he leaves. He's not wearing a mask. And I was like, oh, no. OK, how do I handle this? So I turned to her and gave her a little wry smile and a thumbs up. <laughs> 
kind of like going, hey. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm like, hey, yo, you know, you're right, baby. Stay over there. Yeah, if your scallops get cold, it's on me. I don't know what to yeah. say. I'm, I apologize, right? So anyway, no lie. Four oh, or five, man. four or five people come in and out. They do the same, the same rigmarole. They leave. They touch their door handle. They open their car door. They that now. Here's me. I hand the guy my credit card. He hands it back to me. The credit card goes right in the front pocket of my sweatshirt, right? And I take the food. I go out to the car. The the food goes on the floor of the car on a rubber mat where it is not going to touch anything else in the back. Now, I haven't touched the car yet. I've only touched the fob, right? Because I've opened it with a button. Now, I got the hand sanitizer. I hand sanitized myself. I hand sanitized my credit card. I hand sanitized the fob. I'm now clean, as clean as I can be in this situation. I get in my car. I drive home. I go through the process I talked about with the thing. It is my contention that I was the only safe person in that space. Privately safe. Now, people will say, oh, yeah, but you're not protecting other people. And right on. I hope you heard the lead up to the story. Like I was bamboozled into being there without a mask on. But I have worn a mask everywhere else I've gone. And I plan to as long as that's the law of the land. I'm I'm happy to do it. Um, But what really struck me was just how all of these other people were ignoring every bit of common sense that went around transmission and I felt like, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like it was because they were wearing a mask and they felt safe. Say that was a really interesting um, observation or insight that you have. And I'll tell you why when you're done. No, 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 I'm done. Please. It's really interesting. So I think these masks are giving people this like false sense of being invincible. Mm-hmm. So they think I'm wearing a mask, I'm safe. And then you still have to stand six feet apart you still have to be cautious of surfaces. And I think I, Scott, I think we just think of it a different way because, you know, I'm living with diabetes and you have a kid who's living with diabetes. And I think our brains are kind of just wired differently when we're thinking about transmission. I don't think the general person understands everything that you went through in your head. Like, and it's really interesting because I've, I kind of had to get myself out of how you were thinking because it was making me too anxious going to work every day. Ah, so, and that's the next step is that it didn't bother me so much because I did it one time, but I did begin to wonder, right. What if I was out every day? Because, you know, even little things like prior to talking to you, a package arrived, you know, and so the package, it gets Lysol, which is not something we would normally do. Um, you know, pick it up, bring it in the house. Yeah. And then I go to wash my hands. So I'm in a hurry to talk to you. So I soap my hands. I'm washing my hands. Here I go. I'm washing, 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 washing. I get done. Water all over my hands. Common thing to do. I flick my fingers towards the sink. Right. And I happen to notice when I did that. Yeah. Just where and everywhere water ended up in my kitchen. It was eight feet to my left on the countertop now. And it was over here. And so if, if I have something, forget anything, if I have something on my hands, the flu, the common cold, the blah, 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 I don't wash my hands properly. I do this. Now, eight feet to my left on the countertop, people are like, oh, your kitchen's eight feet wide, fancy. And um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was far away on the left is what I'm saying. That water hits there. If someone else comes along and lays their cup on it and five minutes later is you know resting their cup in their palm, that's it. Whatever was on my hand is on their hand now, too. And you can't think like that because it would be debilitating. It really would. Like, you know, we talk about it around diabetes, yeah. too, right? That whole idea of, like, 
if you really thought about what insulin was, if you really thought about it, it'd be hard to give it to yourself. You know, like, right. and, and, and some people really fall into that scenario. So anyway, this whole process and situation, it just opened me up to thinking about what's going to happen to people's anxiety, people who are paying attention to it, because I'll be able to ignore it again. I don't get sick that often. Like at some point, it's going to roll out of my head. I'm, I'm too, you know, I'm too empty headed not to, not to hold on to it forever. But in that moment, what does that anxiety do? And then how does that anxiety affect people's blood sugars? And then we see that cascading effect where, you know, the uh, norm, whatever their norm used to be, 100, 150, whatever people are keeping their blood sugars at suddenly creeps up 20 and 30 points. They don't notice it because so much else is going on. And before you know it, it's gotten away from them. And for people who it's already away from, I I imagine it becomes a hellstorm. So what have you been doing to sort of pay attention to your diabetes while you're in this new situation? Yeah. So I think what happened to me personally, I'll share my personal story because I think it'll help others. Yeah. So, you know, I'm an essential worker, so I have to go into work every day. And I would say for the first week where, you know, the coronavirus cases were really um, exploding here in the United States. I was so tense going into work. Like I, I wouldn't get in the elevator. I was taking the stairs, which when you park on like the fifth floor of the parking garage, that's not my norm. Like I will take the elevator typically. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm supposed to be advocating for using stairs, but whatever. <laughs> so, so that was a thing. And then I was scared to touch everything. So I was trying to let other people go in front of me and like open the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sizing my hands or washing my hands, but every single time I even slightly touched a surface. So going into work, I have to open a door. First, I have to slide my ID badge, open a door. Then I was sanitizing my ID badge. And then I was washing my hands. And then I was going to the clock to clock in. And then I was swiping my badge again and putting my finger on the, um, finger ID to clock myself in. Right. And then I was sanitizing my ID badge and sanitizing my hands. And then I was touching a doorknob and then I was sanitizing my hands again. And then I was walking down the hallway. And if I touched anything in the hallway, I was sanitizing whatever part of me touched it. And then I was going up a staircase and through a door. And then I was sanitizing again. And then one day I dropped my iced coffee while I was doing all of this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wait, I was like, this is too much. I was like, I, I, I found myself. I dropped my coffee. Obsessing. Are we so supposed like, to burn the building down? I need to sanitize everything when I'm done with everything. Right. Right. Like when I get into my office, that's when I need to sanitize my badge, wash my hands. So I think all of the hype was getting to me. Like I do have um, generalized anxiety, mm-hmm. but it's like I don't get panic attacks. I don't have OCD. So typically I'm pretty stable. Like I I'll get more about certain things, but this like exploded it for me. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, I think I kind of just had to take a step back and look at everything I was doing and think about it realistically. Um, so for essential workers, it's a much more difficult situation, but I kind of got to the point where I'm like, it is what it is. And I can only I know I'm following the guidelines and I can do my best, but if I, if I get it, it's kind of out of my control at this point. So I kind of had to get to a place where I 
accepted I can only do what I can do. Mm-hmm. And that took a few weeks. Like I was not in a good place a couple weeks ago. No kidding. Um, All right. I want to talk about that first though. Are you in a room with a door closed? I think your Wi-Fi is a little weak. It, mm, my door's open. Your door's open. Should I, I close it? No, no, no. I just, I was, I, you're, you're kind of fading a little bit and I don't think you're moving away from the microphone. And I think it's, it sounds like it, how does the signal look strong on your Wi-Fi meter? Um, do you not know where that is, Julia? Let me, no, I'm can we, joking. can we pause for a second? Yeah. hundred percent. I'll no. connect to my, I'll connect to a hotspot back here. Cause I think I'm too far away from the router. All right, cool. To, to get to a surface. So hold on. If I lose one you, sec. that's fine. Okay. One sec. All right. While Julia is moving to a better location, closer to her router, I'll tell you about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. The Dexcom G6 is going to allow you to see your blood sugar in real time or a loved one's blood sugar in real time. Here's how it will do that. It's this little sensor with a little transmitter in it and the transmitter sends a signal to a receiver or to your Android or iPhone. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can see your blood sugar on an app. Not just your blood sugar, not just my blood sugar is 146. Not like that. It's 146 and what direction it's moving, if it's moving in a direction, and if it's moving in a direction, how fast is it moving in that direction? I know what you're thinking. Holy Hannah, that's some good stuff, Scott, and you're 100% right. All of you who struggle to get your basal insulin set correctly, imagine if you could see your blood sugar completely overnight. Just try to imagine a eight hour period of seeing exactly what your blood sugar's doing. You'd be able to say to yourself, I think I need more basil at 2 a.m. I see it myself getting high around 6. Oh, look at this. It's my daughter's blood sugar right now. That's how it works. You get a little beep on your cell phone. Her blood sugar's just gone over the alarm that we've set of 120. Did you know you could set alarms to tell you when your blood sugar leaves the range that you desire? Well, now you know. Arden has just gotten an alarm on her phone at beep beep. And she knows now she probably needs some insulin. So she's going to look into it. And if she forgets or doesn't or, you know, gets stuck at, you know, in English class, I can send her a little text and a reminder. Hey, probably have to bowl us here. There's the tiniest little bit of what the Dexcom G6 is. You should definitely find out more about it. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox are the links in your show notes or the ones that are available at juiceboxpodcast.com. You know, when you're looking for those links for Dexcom, you might also see a link for the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. This is clicky clicky time for you if you're on MDI and you've thought about pumping or if you're already pumping and you wish your pump didn't have any tubing all over it because the Omnipod is tubeless. That is less the tube, meaning a no tubing. The greatest thing that Omnipod does perhaps, perhaps, although making a tubeless insulin pump, pretty great. One of the great things, I guess I should say, is that they will send you a free, no obligation pump for you to wear and try. It's a non-functioning pump, don't get me wrong, but it's still the entire of the device. You can put it on and wear it. You can uh, go for a walk. You can go for a run. You can go for a swim. Cause yeah, Omnipod, uh, you can take that thing in the pool. You can take it in your shower. 
You could take it in your bathtub. You could take it on a trip to Illinois if you wanted to. And every place you take it, it won't have any tubing to get stuck in your bra or down your pants. And when you don't have tubing, it can't get caught on a doorknob and rip out your infusion set. You're gonna love it. And my daughter has been using the Omnipod since she was four years old. It's over 12 years now. Every day she's had an Omnipod on, and it's always been a friend in this journey. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Links in your show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Click on the links. Support the sponsors. Support the show. Back to Julia. Let's see if she uh, got any closer to that router. Whacked my glasses with my headphones. Okay, <laughs> let me. I'm just trying to hold what you said in my head because I have I something I want to say afterwards. Could you hear me well enough? Yeah, yeah. No, that? it was fine. I just wanted to. I don't want it to happen again. It, it, moreover, they'll be able to hear it. Okay, it'll be better this way. But it distracts me. I start. I stop listening to you, and I start thinking about how it sounds. And that is this better? Because I'm connected to my hotspot now, so I shouldn't have loss of sound. Mm, that was worse. Hold on. You you went out. That was worse? Yeah, try again. Say uh, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Eh? The rain in Spain falls mainly on the planes. Go ahead. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the planes. Have you never heard that before? No. Oh, my gosh. I'm a millennial. You're like four years old. Okay, well, that you, there was no break in that. So good. So, okay. So you just explained, you just explained walking into a building. And I want to play devil's mm-hmm. advocate on both sides of this. I could easily say, you don't need to do all that. And I can make a real, um, real argument for what you just said. So um, here it is. Your card that you're swiping to get into a building and a doorknob or a door handle are about the dirtiest places on the planet, right? Yep. And so... It doesn't not make sense. You can clean your card before you leave the house. It doesn't mean I cleaned mine, right? right? And you really start thinking about the the history of my card, right? Like I took my card home Monday night and I laid it on a table where everyone else in my house lays their keys. Now everyone in my house and everything they've touched is in a central location near my card. And I pick it back up and I do what I do. I put it back in my wallet. I stick it in my pocket. I put it next to my phone, my phone, which they say is filthy, filthy, dirty. Right. And so it's a dirty thing. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> so, you know, now yeah. I've done that. Dirty thing. Right. I stopped. I've stopped at, uh, at the, at the drive through at, um, you know, I don't know, Dunkin' Donuts to get a coffee on the way. I handed them my dirty, filthy credit card. They hand it back to me. That guy's touched 90,000 people's credit cards this morning for coffee. He's not washing his hands, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's the truth. Then you get to the door. Now you've touched the door. Isn't it great when you can push a door? You're like, ooh, a push door. I don't have to put my palm on it. Excitement. But you know, one, you have to turn a knob or grab a handle. I find myself reaching inside of my sweatshirt and grabbing with my sweatshirt. And then I think, well, now it's just on my sweatshirt. Right. But at least your sweatshirt you can take off when you get home. Well, yeah, but and I, I, you don't have to keep, keep wearing it 
I know there's so many thoughts that go through my head right. with, with that. And I think it, it, it did make me really start thinking like I was walking six feet away from everyone going into work, but not everyone was staying six feet away from me. Right. And that was one of the big moments where I realized, wait, so not everyone's thinking like I am right now. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, so moral of the story though, is that it is still important to make sure that you're following the guidelines, but if you're getting from one place to another, as long as you're not touching your face in between mm-hmm. everything, um, or dirtying another surface that will stay with you, right? Don't sanitize between every single action or try to wash between every single action because it'll make you go crazy. And yeah. it made me, it, I was like not in a good place for a couple of weeks because I was so hyper-focused on not getting it, like right. all of these small actions. Yeah, the truth, the truth is in that scenario, what you really needed to be focused on was not touching your face and keeping track right. of things that you had touched until you had an ability to wash. That really right. is the game. It's all right, I right. my my keys, my my fob, you, you know, this, that, like these are the things I've handled since I've been here. I get here, I'll do my hands. But at the same time, it, it, it's hard to just remember common courtesy like i i spoke to someone yesterday who was at a job interview and they got there just thinking it was going to be a distance interview then they're like no come on into this room now she's in a room and talking to a person right and she you know trying to be cool about it but then a second person came in the room and just out of you know sheer repetition and and you know geniality being a human being the person walked in and offered their hand out oh no right and so now now this person did a job interview and they're like, well, do I shake their hand in a split second? I don't want to offend them. I don't know. She just said, maybe we shouldn't shake hands. And then the the person who tried to shake her hand was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like clearly had just forgotten, you know, in the course right. of whatever they were doing. I, I just think that we're going to be, we're all going to be in a different situation. Now, listen, here's the other side of it, right? There are, I forget what the number is, but there are like a bazillion viruses in the world. And, yes. you know, it, you have not thought like this prior to six weeks ago. And if you had, maybe you wouldn't get one or two colds that you get a year, but you're still not going to avoid everything. And, and so the, the answer has to be, how do you keep your, your sanity? Right. right? And, and take care of yourself and do the best you can. You know, it it really is going to be what it's going to be. And then hopefully from there, Uh, you know, inoculations maybe are a thing, you know, obviously that's going to be some time from now, but I just think the most important thing is that the hospitals aren't overwhelmed so that if you do get sick and it progresses to a serious place that somebody can, you know, thoughtfully take care of you. Um, oh, and that's so important right now. Yeah. Um, that's why social distancing is so important. hundred percent. I know it's weird because they always make up a marketing term, like, you know, like flatten the curve, like we're going to flatten <laughs> yeah. the curve. You know, because saying to people, look, we can't overwhelm the healthcare system, but and get that long explanation doesn't fit, you know, in a tweet. So we're gonna flatten the curve. And and it's important, like it's it's the it's the crux of the entire thing. It really is why right. less people have uh suffered than the projections thought. And you know, so that's amazing. But we're gonna get out into that scenario later. Everybody needs to be ready for it. Where the one I mean, that woman had no trouble looking me in the face and saying, I am not walking over there across the room with people in it. He is not wearing a mask. And she was just a, a kind looking woman in her sixties. I don't feel like that's who she is at her core. Do you do you know no. what I mean? Like I bet two months ago 
she would have just walked over there and done it and not thought anything about it. But her brain's in a different place now. I mean, everyone, I'm, I'm noticing even with um, some of my patients and then even some of my friends and family members, people are just in a much different place anxiety about um, COVID. And I think people, from what I've observed, are adjusting to it um, since this has been going on for like five plus weeks now. But the first few weeks, I think were extremely rough for a lot of people. And I'm sure there's still some people that are still in a rough place. Mm-hmm. And I do think this whole situation with the masks, like the masks are giving people a sense of power over COVID. But when you take everything else into account, like that woman touching all of those surfaces, they're not really giving you power unless you're, unless you're actually following the rest of the guidelines as well. Right. So now let's devil's advocate the other side of it. Okay. Everyone yeah. coming into that place is ultra paranoid, right? Um, yes. The woman is touching the chair, but I don't know how many other people touch the chair. And if maybe it was just a bunch of other really like, you know, uh, you know, prepper hand sanitizers who got there in their car, put their mask on, sanitized their hands and went in. That chair might be the cleanest thing on the planet right now. I, I, I don't right. I don't know. But if the mask is helping her not to have the anxiety about the virus, that's great, except her anxiety just shifted from thinking about the virus to thinking about other people who aren't thinking about the virus. Like there's no way for people who are anxious to be free of it because it's just going to shift perspective. Does that ring true with you? No, that's really, that's really insightful. And I agree with that. I think what I'm also hearing is um, a lot of people are being almost like bullied or um, judged for how they are responding to coronavirus Mm -hmm. and in a situation like yours, okay, you weren't wearing a mask, but you were in your head, you're following all the other guidelines. You're not doing anything um, to put yourself at higher risk of it. Like you're not having people over, you're not having parties, right? Nothing. So, and you're being really cautious of everything. So I think you just don't know what someone else is doing. So I think just trying to focus on your, what you can control in your own situation. Yeah. Um, we, you can't control what you can't control. Well, you know, if if 25-year-old me was in that scenario, I probably would have spoken back to her. I probably would have said, yeah. hey, listen, I showed up here because these people said they were going to bring the food out of the car, and I didn't think I would need a mask. I just need you to know I haven't been out of the house more than four times in the last, you know, five weeks. I'm probably the cleanest person in here. I'm not sick. I know you can't trust that, blah, blah, blah. But all those that thought went through my head, and I just thought, how is she going to believe that? And I'm going to sound like a lunatic explaining right. it to her. So I just smiled and gave her the thumbs up. I'm like, you keep doing you, lady. Keep yeah. on trucking. You know, you're doing great. Um, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> imagine imagine if I was like, you know, a hothead kid or I was, you know, somebody whose anxiety had boiled over around this, made an honest mistake, not brought their mask, and now felt attacked. Like there was a real opportunity for that to go wrong there. And it didn't obviously, but. um, Yeah. I mean, I have a colleague who she went to the grocery store yesterday and she was texting me or maybe it was a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. And she was like, this is great. They're distancing everyone, but people are glaring at me and looking at me like I'm a criminal because I don't have a mask on. Right. Yeah. Now it's going to be a. We're not going us wear masks. Julia, you broke up. I'm sorry. You're what? Oh, so we're not in a state where they're um, mandating that we wear masks. They're just recommending it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, no, it's going to be a whole. Arden said they were talking about sending them back to school and having them wear masks. And she goes, 
those kids can't remember their lanyard. They're going to remember their mask. And I was like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and, you know, what about has anybody been out in public and seen somebody wearing their mask, but not over their nose? And well, I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that in the in the hospital setting. And that's to me as a healthcare provider. I'm like, oh, like you're not really doing anything. You're here, not protecting anything. Right. No, a million percent. Here's the other side of it. I've uh, I just posted on Facebook to share with the world so that I would probably shame myself into eating less. Uh, I've <laughs> now I now know that uh, bank robber is not a reasonable job for me uh, because I can't push a cart in Costco with my face covered without thinking like, oh, my God, is this the end? It's it's just there's something yeah. about breathing <laughs> through the fabric. And like I was like, oh, I, I got to I got to go for a run or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's not very pleasant to wear the mask the right way, but no, it is what it is. There's no way I'm going to have a bag of money in one hand and my gat in the other hand and be able to run away from the cops. It just isn't going to happen with my face covered. So To focus on how your face feels. <laughs> oh, no, not breathing is what I'll be focused on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> just soft start yeah. dropping the money. I'll be like, why did I even bother doing this? I knew I couldn't do it because of my experience at Costco, and yet I didn't listen. So I just figured, Man. learn the lesson ahead of time, Julia. Don't rob a bank until I'm at least in better shape. Because, oh man, you know. So if anyone sees me like on a real regimen of, you know, like cardio, I'm thinking of robbing a bank. <laughs> oh gosh. Because <laughs> there's no other reason I could think of to run. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, so here's what I've been seeing. With people that I interact with uh, virtually, I guess I got to make sure I say that, and with my daughter mm-hmm. around diabetes. So mm-hmm. I do think that all the extra things to think about for some people give them an excuse. And I don't mean excuse like they were looking for an excuse, but I mean, there's now a reason why they're letting their blood sugars get away from them and not being kind of as vigilant. And there's a lot of their a lot of their impacting stressors around diabetes are changing and I don't think they realize it. I think it looks yes. like I think it looks like I'm sitting in my house or you know my very active job became a desk job or what whatever it ends up being um so there's a lot there um and I and I want to I really do want to talk about that. I am having fun talking about other stuff, but I really do want to talk <laughs> about that. Um and and I think the first thing is that we talk about all the time on the podcast, but I don't think people who don't listen know, uh, and maybe even some people who do listen have missed the idea. Stress and anxiety can and will raise your blood sugar. Um, yes. And and how do you handle that? Have you had to change anything about your management during this time? So I think for me, it was just finding ways to cope with the anxiety I was uh, facing. So I do a lot of mindfulness. There's a lot of mindfulness apps that I, um, that you can get for low cost or for free, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of just refocusing, but for others, it could be, you know, upping therapy sessions, which are available, um, virtually and online. A lot of therapists are offering that service. There's even like, I have a service at work I can use, which is like, therapy sessions that are free for the employers. So like I've been doing that as well. So I think just figuring out ways to cope with my anxiety and stress so that it didn't impact my blood sugar any of my patients as well. So like figuring out first identifying that stress or anxiety that you're facing and recognizing it and then figuring out how to kind of tackle it so that it doesn't continue impacting your blood sugars. 
So it's interesting, right? I thought immediately of your blood sugar goes up. How do you address it with insulin? And you thought your blood sugar goes up, figure out why your blood sugar is going up and stop that from happening. Both very valid ideas. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I like that idea. Now, how do you how do you know you're stressed when you're a person who feels like so I don't know if this is uh, in, you know, overwhelmingly uh, abundantly. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. I don't know how many people understand this, but truth is the better you think you handle stress, probably the worse you are at it. So those people who were like, I'm unflappable, I, those people just internalize their stress. Do you, do you know what I mean? For the most part, you, you or, and, and the people who kind of freak out are, are letting it out. So, yeah. 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 And I think everyone has different coping mechanisms. Uh, I get worried personally. Like I always ask my patients when I'm meeting with them, we have a questionnaire we have to fill out when we're going through our diabetes education meetings. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions is what are your stressors? And then what do you do to handle stress? And whenever I have a patient that tells me I don't have stress, but like based on the answer to the rest of their psychosocial questions, I can tell they probably do have stress. Right. Um, that's like a, that's a red flag to me that, you know, they're not recognizing it. And, you know, everyone's at a different place. Um, if you're not recognizing it, it's going to be a lot harder to address it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, if, that's definitely the first step. If your coping um, mechanism, I also get concerned when, I'm sorry. I'm I was sorry. I was just yeah. going to say, if your coping mechanism is saying there's no stress when there's definitely stress, big, big red flag. <laughs> Huge red flag. Yeah. And, I, and I mean, I just have people, I think this is an answer I get a lot. Oh, I just don't get stressed. <laughs> and I think, wow, tell me your magic tricks. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> I'd like to share them with everyone. Um, but yeah, and I think maybe some people do get stressed, but they just don't even recognize it. So I think that's um, a big barrier there. But another thing that's concerning is when people do tell me all of the stressors they have, and then I ask them how they cope with it. And they say, I just don't. <laughs> so yeah. like, that's also concerning. Um, so I think figuring out ways, especially right now with the current situation, um, you know, we're kind of limited, like you can't go to the gym necessarily, or you can't sign up for a yoga class in a yoga studio. Right. Um, or you might be more um, prone to kind of binge eating when you're stuck in the house right now. Mm -hmm. And that can be something that's common for a lot of people with diabetes. Um, so I think just kind of figuring out what you can do is really important. So I've been a huge proponent of recommending going on walks. Um, I think getting outside and, you know, getting fresh air and then getting a little bit of exercise is a, a great thing. Um, that we can do right now. And then another thing I've been recommending is using the mindfulness apps that you can get on your phone right. or your mobile device. And then I've also been recommending um, doing exercise classes online because a lot of them are free now. Yeah, the, I think the, the I'm going to say the problem, but from the, from the everyday man position, I think the problem is, is that I didn't get more time suddenly because I'm working from home. And there are plenty of people Correct. who aren't working from home too. But Correct. Also, the little things that we think of as bad that may be bad macro, but were good for the person. Like, what about the road rage people? Like, it sucks right. that they have road rage, but that's how they were letting out their stress. They were screaming right. and yelling and being angry at everybody on the road for, you know, driving wrong. And uh, and that was a way for them. It was an outlet for them. 
Now they're right. not now they're not in their cars, right? Like now that right. that whole outlet is gone. And it's super it seems to me I don't know how to say this. It seems to me like something <laughs> I can't say what I want to say, but it seems <laughs> to me like something that you, a well-educated, thoughtful um person who has a reasonably nice life, uh <laughs> and me, a person who uh, you know, records podcasts for, you know, a living and then goes off and is a stay-at-home dad the rest of the time. Uh, for people with lives like ours, it's easy to say, you know what I ought to do? I ought to probably just pop onto YouTube and do like one of those 20-minute fitness challenges. Except Correct. that's not everyone's life. And, no, and, it's not. And so like what do, what do average people do? You know, average people, by that I mean get up in the morning, go to a job. It's probably not a job that they just love the hell out of you, you know what right. i mean and um and they've still got the anxiety that they've got money and they've got all the other problems and on top of that their kids are at home you know they're like that ah, that kid's smoking weed he's not going to science class on zoom like they're worried about things um you know and then the and then all the other things like you know i i hear people all the time talking about like my kid didn't get to go to prom they're not getting to go on their yeah. this like there's they're little, but they're not. Like I have an incredible amount of stress over my. I don't know if it's stress, but it's. I don't know what to call it, but that my son's baseball season got canceled. Like it, and that seems to anyone else that would seem like, dude, it's just baseball, but it's not. Like I know when he was well, nine, he started telling me he wanted to play baseball in college. Do, do you know what I mean? And and yeah, it's it, it, now and it's I gone. There's another side of that too. I think, so you're upset because you're thinking this, this was his dream. This was his aspiration. I was so proud of him for achieving this and for being able to do it. But I think um, something that I'm hearing a lot about too, is, you know, getting rid of or inability to do these sports and extracurriculars that really kept kids engaged and focused and in a good place and not having them anymore is also a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from, you know, from my standpoint, like I don't get to walk in my doctoral regalia, like my PhD graduation was completely canceled yeah. and I'm bummed about it, but I think my parents are more bummed than me. Right. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I already achieved everything. It is what it is, but I think there's other people that were looking forward to kind of seeing that moment. So I think sometimes parents, you know, feel even more upset because they're proud of their kids. Oh, Julia, too, so. Julia, not yes. sometimes. All the time. <laughs> yeah. It, it's all, it's all, I, I was leaning on the counter last night and Kelly was leaning on the other side of it. And I said to her, Hey, this having kids thing was a huge mistake, huh? <laughs> and, she go, oh. and she goes, yeah, no kidding. Right. And, I, and, but not Aww. for the reasons you think, you know, right. Like the, people might joke about something like that. It's because, you can't stop being concerned for yeah. every aspect of what it is is happening to them. You know, does my wife will say to me, does, does Cole seem okay to you? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, yeah, but he's not. He's as upset about what happened to him and losing his, I mean, he lost half of his sophomore year of college, you know, yeah. d during the season. We went out and hit the other day. We found a nice open field where nobody was. And I'm not the greatest soft tosser, which might be a word you don't know, but I'm not great at it. I'm inconsistent at best. Yeah. And normally he just looks at me and he's like, dude, what are you doing? But it frustrated him. And yeah. I, I realized he 
was as frustrated as me as he was at the fact that we were out there soft tossing in a field, you know, in his hometown when that weekend he was supposed to be in Baltimore playing baseball. And yeah. so, you know, um, it, it, there's a lot going on for everybody. Yeah. Arden's stress is definitely up, even yeah, though, I'm sure it is. even though she appears to be just banging through. Like she gets up, you know, gets herself together. She goes down and does her work. She's diligent about her schoolwork, getting it all done. She told me yesterday she had a 94 in a French test, a 97 in a math algebra test, I think it was. I tried to congratulate her. She said, uh, Algebra is easy. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fancy. And I was like, whatever. She goes, wait, do you see my geometry test score? That isn't going to be as good. And I was like, all right. And um, uh, so she's double, like she's taking a double math. Yeah. And, and you know, and, but the, there's tension she gets in her shoulders when she's like stressed out that hadn't been there for months. And now it's back. Yeah. And, and so that's how it hits her. She just, her, her shoulders get really tight. And, I do too. That's yeah. actually a big sign of stress for me too. Mm-hmm. And so, so you're massaging and it doesn't matter. You massage it out. It comes right back again. You know, yeah, it does. Yeah, you got to yeah. massage your brain, it, not your shoulder. Cause you're just in a tense state with everything going on. It's hard to release it. So what's the, um, what's the, so, so it's nice to say all the things that you said, they're all reasonable things. You know, you can work mm-hmm. out online for free. You can, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the real things that people get their stress out with, are not, you know, are not available to them right now. You're starting to hear a little more about, you know, casual drinking is picking up because there's just nothing to do. You know, the time, yeah. feel, the time feels endless. Have you lost track of what day it is like I have? Um, oh, you're no, working because still. I have a work schedule. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I definitely would have by now. I don't even the weekend's meaningless at this point. Yeah. And I can I can totally see that. So mm-hmm. I do have some tips. Um. I think one thing I've been telling a lot of my patients, I actually learned this from my boyfriend. He is really good because he's working from home right now and he's working kind of on his own schedule. He sets himself on a schedule every day and he follows that schedule. So he's in a routine Okay. and I've seen how well he's done with it. And so I've actually used that as a suggestion to give my patients. I'm like, you know, you have to adjust to your new normal, but Part of that, I think, is trying to set a routine and figuring out what your new routine is and following it. Because I think that in itself helps. I'm sorry, that in itself what? Helps a lot of people. Okay. Having that routine to kind of keep you organized. Do you think that a pitfall that people fall into uh, is the idea that this isn't going to be forever? And, and and so I'll just ride this out like a long summer vacation and then I'll bounce back to it. I, I actually, it's one of the reasons that, that that feeling is one of the reasons that you don't hear me talk about cure, cure science around type 1 diabetes because yeah. I don't, I don't think it's valuable for people to sit around thinking, oh, it's almost over, you, you know, because right. then there are things you're supposed to be doing in the moment for your health that you start slacking on because you think, ah, please, you know, uh, an algorithm will run my insulin pump in a year. So I don't have to worry about these next couple months. So they're going to cure it in five years. So, I mean, it's not going to kill me just to have high blood sugar for five years. Some people feel that way. And I wonder that around this too, if like somebody's like, look, this isn't going to last forever. They're going to let us go back to work. Everything's going to go back to normal. Uh, So if I gain, what are people calling it? The COVID-19? Have you heard that yet? COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awful. Yeah. Um, How'd it go? I, mean, I gained the COVID-19. I mean, 
really not even funny. People are dying. And at the same time, people are so creative online. Yes, they're so creative with these new terms. um, But I don't want that. Like, I'm 50. If I gain 19 pounds, I ain't getting rid of it. You know. Right. Well, I think so. You know, I've had a lot of um, family members and friends ask me, like, when do you think this is going to end? And I just keep saying, like, you you know, we don't know. Like, and that's the truth. Like, yeah. We don't really know how long this is going to go on. And the other part of the truth is that even if this ends, what if we have another pandemic in the future? So I think, you know, kind of letting yourself go like that definitely isn't a healthy coping mechanism or one that'll help you long-term. And I think it's helping a lot of my patients um, that I've been meeting with on the telephone or virtually to actually check in with me Mm -hmm. and review all of their data or their blood glucose readings if they don't have um, a CGM. Okay. And kind of just check back in with their new schedule and think about different things that are now influencing their blood sugars that might've been different before isolating. So I think um, even meeting with your healthcare provider, like we're all here, we're all doing virtual visits. Like it is still so important to meet with us and to check in and to not just say, well, I'm not doing right now because of COVID, like being honest with yourself and kind of reflecting on what is happening is such an important self-management tool. How much of our, checks, right? Our, our quarterly endo checks or however we do it. How much of it is just about accountability? Do you think? From my standpoint, it's all about accountability because mm-hmm. you can show up, right? And get your A1C checked, but what's happening in between? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm, what I'm saying too, is like, like, I don't know how I mean this for the patient coming in, like yeah. I know that it's there. You're going to always hear from people who are pressured by it, and that seems mm-hmm. like, oh my, my visits are so much pressure. I feel so much anxiety. But what about those people who just need to have to report to somebody to keep them honest? I guess is the is the is the phrase I'm looking for. And yeah. then if you start skipping that appointment, all those people get lost. See, I think the interesting the interesting thing about having a conversation around this is it's easy to say, you know, everyone's different. But we all fall into reasonable buckets, right? Like there are people right. who feel anxiety um, and they, you know, they don't want to go to this appointment. They dread going to their endocrinologist appointment because they don't want to get that report back. But, you know, they still do it over and over and over again. It's somehow it's part of their their thing. Now, the, their their pattern, you're hoping at some point they figure some stuff out about management and then those visits don't seem like that anymore, which I think does happen for a lot of people. Eventually they get things figured out. And I, right. I, I heard somebody the other day tell me that um, they're missing their endo appointment because they did a lot of good work to get their A1C and their variability down. And they wanted to go tell somebody, like they wanted a pat on the back. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. I, I want my pat on the back. I worked hard for this. Um, yeah. So I think something that, um, that I didn't hear you bring up and that not everyone realizes is if you do have a diabetes educator or sorry, diabetes care and education specialist available <laughs> to you, we can meet with you in between your endo visits. And like, I have patients who I'm meeting with every other week. And like, I'll share a story about um, one in particular who I met with recently. And this patient told me, I like meeting with you because things are different right now. And it's helping me kind of keep myself in check. 
So that is part of what I do as a diabetes care and education specialist is I'm here to support you and help you reflect on your goals and if you're meeting them or not, Mm -hmm. and then kind of give you that support you need. Um, so that when you do go to your endo appointment, you don't feel guilty. Um, if you weren't able to meet your goals. Yeah. Hey, you, you've heard Jenny on the podcast say, look, I'm a CD. I'm calling myself a CD. I'm not changing, but I know you're (laughs) right. What what, what do you call What did, what did they change it to? Is it C E S? No, it's even more complicated. C D C E S. So certified diabetes care and education specialist. So I am changing. Um, and part of that is because I have not been in this field for so long. So I became a certified diabetes educator in 2017. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of new, right? So I'm not so established in calling myself a certified diabetes educator. No, I hear you. Um, I also believe that the name was chosen based like the certified diabetes care and education specialist name was chosen based on what our profession has, um, does in real life. So we don't just provide education, but um, we also are specialists in diabetes care. So I think that name was chosen based on feedback from um, our profession. And I respect that. I, uh, well, that was very nice of you to say. My wife has yeah. a, uh, my wife has had titles in the past that are completely made up words. So <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds like a made up word because yeah. it's so long now, but yeah. it, there was a lot of thought put into it. And no, I, I know. you know, I'm involved with, um, a D C E S, which used to be A A D E. So the um, Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists, which is formerly the American Association of Diabetes Educators. Mm-hmm. And I really saw what they put into um, deciding to change the name yeah. and why. So I thought I found meaning. I, I'm not taking it from you. I'm just saying I hope everyone's ready to be called my diabetes person <laughs> because the C D C E S does not roll off the T O U U N G or something, right? Or however you spell tongue is what I'm getting. Yeah. Um it it's just uh it's a little bit of a twister. But never get used to it. listen, not in my lifetime. But Yeah. And it's okay that Jenny still wants to be called C D E. So like that's the other thing. They're not forcing us to change our names yet. Uh, um, and I think if that's how Jenny identifies and that's who she's been for her career, like I have nothing against that. I wasn't trying to say. No, I no, did. don't uh, apologize. Stand, stand on your. <laughs> so I, was just, I was just sharing my Julia, don't back uh, reflections up. on why I choose to identify as CDCES. I heard you. Don't back up. Yeah. You st- <laughs> stand on your principle. Listen, I know a lot of doctors. I've never once looked at them and thought. There's my friend, Adam Nadelman, MD. So, you know, yeah. it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but I was just, as you were saying it, it struck me. So we have people who have different levels of anxiety. They're going to handle it in different ways. Some of them are going to yoga um, on YouTube. Some of them are going to go for walks. Uh, some of them are going to yell at their dog. I don't think you should do that. I'm just saying somebody's going to, uh, yeah. you know, like everyone's going to try to get their anxiety and their stress out. There are people who are going to drink too much. There are going to be plenty. I'm assuming there are a lot of you out there smoking a massive amount of weed. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on, but you have to use, in my opinion, the information that's coming in. So if you're seeing your blood sugar doing things that it doesn't normally do, you have to say to yourself, whether it feels like it or not, my situation has changed. My day-to-day has changed. How my body, um, you know, acts. You know, I'm not yeah. walking around as much at work or I'm working. I'm walking around more or, or whatever it ends up being. 
and you need to adjust. And when that moment comes, just remember that everything that we talked about in the diabetes pro tip episodes, it all just holds true still. Like diabetes, yeah. diabetes hasn't gotten weird on you. Just the no. Im- the influencers have changed. So go yeah. back to basics. Look at your basal insulin. Make sure it's right. You know, look at how long you're pre-bolusing, how much insulin you're using. Are you eating the same amount of foods? Maybe you're, like you said, maybe you're eating different foods all of a sudden. It's- yeah, and that's happening, I think, to a lot of people who are trying to um, eat foods that last longer to kind of, you know, they might be eating less vegetables or ah. more of these, like, processed foods. Um, I'm having a lot of patients tell me that. So that's just, I'm sorry there and say that, but I thought it was important. No, Julia, you're 100% right. We're buying things now, you know, even, you know, in bags, stuff that doesn't go bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, less fresh fruits and vegetables right. if that's what you ate before. Yeah. I mean, because how, because how long can you really keep, you know, a head of lettuce, a head of romaine right. lettuce, like fresh in your refrigerator? I mean, what's it, right. like four days and then it gets a little weird and then you're just like, now you're down to like, well, I'll cut some of the green stuff off and, you know, so you can't go out and buy three packs of lettuce and make it last three weeks. That's not going to happen. And there's a real, there's a real blockade both physically and mentally about running out to the store. Like nobody's just running out. There really is. Yeah. And even people who are trying to use the, like the delivery services, a lot of them are really delayed. Mm -hmm. My mother uses one. My mom is a old, old woman. She lived with dinosaurs (laughs) a long time ago. I say that just in case she ever hears this. Uh, But anyway, she, uses one of those services. And she just told me, it's funny you brought that up. She just told me two days ago, hey, Scott, I made my order, but only about half of it came. And I said, yeah, mom, they sent you what they had, you know? Yeah, that's a problem too. So I think that's a huge factor that's, um, you know, we, a lot of us eat a lot of the same things over Mm -hmm. and over again. And so when you have to change up what you're eating based on the situation, that can be a huge factor. Um, But everything you said about, going back to the basics is so important right now because you know what things are going to change. Our schedules are changing. The factors are all changing. And that means our blood sugars are going to be influenced a lot differently. So it's normal and it is a really good time to reflect and take a look at everything, all of your patterns again. Many people may be finding out right now that they're not as good at bolusing for a meal as they thought they were. They've just gotten good at bolusing for the meals they eat all the time. Right. Right. And and that's yeah. an interesting thing. And that doesn't mean suddenly like you don't know what you're doing. It just Correct. means it just means you kind of you you got into, you know, you were sort of on autopilot a little bit. You don't realize like, you know, it, it was meatloaf night. Eight carbs. Right, is that 12 that 15 here? That's 11 units. Here I go. Like, you know, you just knew that and you did right. it. You probably didn't even realize it, which is great until all of a sudden you're working from home and you stay on a call a little longer. So now instead of having lunch at noon, you're having it at two, but your basal rate changes at one and you didn't think about that. And, you know, and then you get up and decide that a handful of potato chips is really how you're going to roll. You're not having whatever you would have done, you know, at the cafeteria at work or what you might have packed for yourself. Because you don't even – listen, how many times have you packed a meal for yourself at home, taken it, opened it up at lunch and thought to yourself, oh, my God, I don't want this. But you eat it because you bought it and you packed it and you brought it and you do it, right? But now, yep. now you're at home – and your brain goes, oh, I'll get an apple and I'll have a lovely ham sandwich on some uh, uh, nice rye toast. And I'll, but no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have a ring right. ding. 
So. Or like for fun, I can be like, ooh, let me have some breakfast for lunch. Like let me make some eggs and something else for lunch that I usually wouldn't eat, right? Joy, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because you got a kid who's now sleeping in, right? Yeah. And getting up at 11 and having French toast. Well, you know how to bowl his French toast at 830. And I know that's right. different, right? But you don't think of it in the moment. Like obviously right. maybe more insulin resistance in the morning because of coming from a a lower basal rate overnight or something like that, or whatever your situation is, four or five hours later, your insulin's different. And right. my point is always, you know, I, I receive a lot of notes that ask me about, in this situation, how would you do this? In this, you know, during a soccer game, at a recital, when my kid's dancing, at school, my answers are always the same. The tools work everywhere. Right. You know, it, 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 and so they work in lockdown too. They work right. in quarantine and, and you just have to step back a little bit and see that you've been probably in a little bit, like I said, in like, you know, auto mode for a while. And you, you might have to stand back and, and get a little manual for a little bit and really think about things again. Um, yeah. And it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's frustrating, right? For a lot of people, um, on top of all of the other stress and frustration that's going on right now about being stuck in the house. So it's not fun, but if you kind of reflect and look at everything and break it down, things will get better. And Julia, the other side of it that we're not talking about is that this, listen, I know this is, you know, first world problems and everything, but yeah, it's starting to feel a little hopeless once in a while, like not every day. Like I'm not telling you I'm, I'm not sad, but if you stop and look back and you proj- and you project out from what you've seen so far, which I think is dangerous because none of us know, listen, I've said it a million times here, worry is a waste of imagination. Anything that I can imagine about the future and worry about very well may not come true. But it's, right. it's difficult sometimes not to think, I, I said this to my neighbor yesterday, just out of like we're yelling across our yards at each other, two grown men, you know, like right. idiots. And... And I said to him, I mean, is it really worth living like this? Is this is this it? Like, am I going to get up in the morning, hang out in sweatpants, um, do my work, you know, cover myself up, run to the store to get food, bring it back? And then what? I just sit here until I run out of chicken? Like, is the, And then I go back out and I feel like I'm risking my life again for a chicken breast? Is like, like, that can't be it. Like, I'm a really social person. I love talking to people. I love talking to strangers. I'll talk to anybody. Y- yeah. You know? And I have none of that now. I'm sure, I know. I'm sure the introverts are probably thrilled. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I live with an introvert. I don't understand them so much because I'm definitely extroverted like you. Right. Um, <laughs> but, he, I mean, it's not easy for introverts either, right? Because even though he doesn't get energized from talking to people like we do, Scott, he, he still likes it. It's he's still stuck in the mm-hmm. house. Yep. Right. And he can't go to the gym anymore and he can't, you know, he had his routine and he now had to change everything. And he now has to find new outlets for um, managing his stress. And I do have to give a PSA about introverts here just because they're introverted. It doesn't mean they like hiding in holes. I've learned. Um, he does like, you know, he doesn't like being stuck in the house all day. My wife, um, my wife has explained it to me because she's, int- my wife's introverted too. And if you know her personally, you wouldn't think that because she seems yeah. really gregarious, but it takes every ounce of energy that she has to be like that around other people. And yeah. and so the way she describes it is that, and you said it a second ago, 
is that she doesn't get anything back from it. She likes people. She likes talking to them. She likes all that, but she does. She's not charged up by it, which is a hundred percent true. When I start talking to people, like I've never thought of it consciously, but you know, I'm sure there's a little stage with a spotlight on it, and I'm like, "Ooh, I'm performing." People like this. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I you say something to someone that they find interesting or amusing, and you get a, a facial response back from them, and yeah. it, it it's valuable to me. Like, it, it it charges my battery, even when they disagree with me. I'm like, "Oh, they disagree," and then I get to go back into myself and wonder about, like, I wonder what I I mean, am I, I I like that person. That's a bright person over there. If they disagree with me. Maybe I should be rethinking it. All those like little interpersonal mechanisms are gone, you know, and you can say all you want. You can zoom with somebody or FaceTime. That is not the same as talking to somebody face to face. It's not. And I think it, it gives you something right, but it's not the same. Um, And I think, yeah, it's really difficult. Like I'm thinking about it. I haven't seen a friend outside of zoom for like five or six weeks, yeah. which is nuts. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> it really is. Um, and I honestly think part of the reason why I'm still as energized as I am is because I am going into work. You're helping um, people. And, and I do see my colleagues. So I think that helps. Yeah. And I get to record the podcast, which is is helpful for me. I get to still talk right. to people and edit them and listen to other conversations and you know stuff like that. But there are, there are moments where you know, I just am in my house. Like, I don't know what to do. Like I've, yeah. you know, I've edited the podcast weeks ahead. I've cleaned everything to within an inch of its life. I, you know, I went out and I braved the, the Costco. I came back with the, you know, I killed the bison. I drug it home. Um, <laughs> my wife is working. My kids are doing their schoolwork and I'm just standing there. Like it's, it's really, I know it's going to sound goofy to a lot of people, but being a stay at home parent, if you really love it, it's um, a large portion of who you are is in service to other people. And suddenly when those people don't need you, it's weird. It's, it's just very strange. It's like, it's, you know, I I don't know. It's like, I have no purpose in some moments and, you know, you can listen to that and go, Oh, Scott, you know, you have interest. Yeah, that's nice. I'm not talking about, I don't feel like that for 24 hours. I'm telling you that for 20 minutes or half an hour, I'm standing there like, Oh my gosh, I have nothing to do. Like, I feel like an outdated tool. Like I just, and I don't mean well, tool. Like, it's like part of your yeah. daily challenges aren't there anymore. Yeah. And I like that stuff. Like yeah. I'm not still a stay at home dad after 20 years because I hate it. Like I like what it does for my kids and, and how it shapes my family and, and those sorts of things. Um, and obviously I've supplemented a lot of my time with the podcast too. It's not just, you know, I'm not doing it 24 seven the way I used to. Uh, being a being a stay at home dad, but there's still a there's still plenty of things to do. Even when your kids are in college, you don't realize there's still a lot to do. And it just I don't know, like I don't know what else to do. I refinanced our house because I was bored, and the and the rates went down. I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll refinance the house. <laughs> I was like, and then, well, you were refinancing a house. I bought a I bought a house, so there's that. <laughs> hey, by um, the way, everybody, if you have the yeah. means, good time right now. Money's cheap. You know what I mean? At the moment, yeah. Well, and I mean, I think though, this reminds me, um, one of the things that I've done to help myself too, is I've kind of found some new hobbies. So for me, it's kind of taking on some like DIY home projects Mm -hmm. and doing some home renovation, but I have friends that are doing like more art, um, like painting and that kind of stuff. Whereas they, 
weren't doing that before as an outlet. So yeah. I think just thinking about what you can do, um, like even trying something new from home could be helpful too. I almost bought a drone the other day. A new challenge. And let me tell you, I would crash it in eight seconds if I had a drone. I actually had to sit in front of the screen and say to myself, if you buy this, you're going to bring it home, watch a video about how to fly it. It's going to go up into the air, slam into the tree, and the money's going to be gone. Don't do this. Oops. Oops. <laughs> don't, Oops. don't do this. But I, that's how bored I was. I said to Arden the other day, have you ever wanted a yeah. chameleon as a pet? And she's like, what? I was like, I saw a YouTube oh, video. I'm sorry. You need to find a new hobby too. <laughs> I I do. I need to do something, or you know, and, and you know, it's funny. I there was part of me that thought maybe I'll just sit down and record the podcast every day and put it up daily for a while. Like you know, people who wanted to enjoy it and people who don't can you know skip it. Except a large portion of the way people listen to podcasts is during commuting. And I know. And now there's a portion of the community that's, you know, of the people who just aren't commuting anymore. And I have to say for people listening, you guys are still um, you're still listening. It's very uh, it's uplifting because I, I I've said this before, but I know other people with podcasts who are they're way down, like nobody's listening to them all of a sudden. Uh, but you guys still are. But what I'm noticing is I'm missing is the second episode. Like, you know, the, there's the one you listen to on the way to work and the one you listen to on the way home. And now that turns more into one. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how, um, how it goes. And there's not as much going back and listening to back catalog episodes as there normally is. Um, and it's just because, mm -hmm. and, and it's because people's lives are changing. So in that moment, you know, it's not going to last for everybody's going to get back in their car and I'm not worried about it. But what I'm saying is in that moment, that's not the right time to start doing like a half an hour, like morning show, you know, when people already don't have time for the other stuff that they're looking for. Right. Uh, you know, it's just very, uh, right. it, it, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of like this happened and then that happened. And these two things don't allow each other to work. Um, stuff going on right now. So um, what do you think? Have you thought about, I guess is my question. Are you going to see mm -hmm. problems with patients coming back after this layoff do you think do you think you're going to see a1c's go up or do you think people are going to take this time to really focus and you're going to see them go down like overall generally speaking um and maybe you don't have a guess but i'd be interested to know after it's over what ended up happening well i i know i do have a guess my guess is that we're going to see increase in a1c just because when you think about the amount of stress everyone's experiencing as a whole mm -hmm. you know stress increases your blood sugar and yeah i have these handful of patients i'm seeing that um, are kind of like re reflecting and um, taking some time to review everything with me and to kind of reset their goals and refocus. But not everyone's doing that. Um, because to begin with, you know, as a diabetes care and education specialist, I don't see every person with diabetes. Yeah. So I think that's a huge um, problem. And then I also think that as a whole, um, there's a lot of primary care providers that see people with diabetes that I think are not seeing them as frequently right now due to the um, situation with COVID. So I am worried that um, in general, some patients will get lost um, to follow up during this time, but I'm also more worried that in general, people are just stressed and not checking in. Yeah. Well, with I their reflect. 
Well, this is gonna, it, it, you know, listen. It's not promotion because it's the people who listen already know about the podcast. But I just looked while you were talking. Arden's ninety-day average is what it always is for her A one C time and range. Um, you know, average blood glucose. It's always the same, and and I really do attribute that. I know it sounds like, but again, you guys all know about it, so I'm I'm not I'm not trying to get it out there. That those pro tip episodes, if you follow along with those, if you live like that with your diabetes, I'm telling you right now, you could be running from a lion in the Serengeti up the side of a volcano while COVID 19's around. Your blood sugar is going <laughs> to stay where it's going to stay. Uh, Arden's A1C is estimated at 5.6. Her average blood glucose is 115, and it's that's what it always is. Like, yeah, yeah I'm not and that's, kidding. I mean, but it's beca- partly because of you guys aren't ignoring. Her no. blood sugars and her patterns. Hundred so. percent. But and that's and that's I mean, listen, that's what it's going to be, right? Like there's the reality that some people are yeah. going to and they're gonna see a rise, and then there are gonna be plenty of people who don't, uh, you know, uh who hyper focus on it because they have the time. What I'm trying to say is that we're in a rhythm and that rhythm produces those results. Yeah. Like I'm not running around here wringing my hands thinking about yeah. like oh god everything's stressful Arden's sitting more than she used to what do I do? All those things happened to her and then we just kind of gracefully adjusted to it as it happened. And there were a couple of days that were wonky. Uh um but I I moved some settings around and boom, like right back to it again. Um I and I don't know that comes with time obviously. Yeah, and I have to say I mean I'm kind of it comes with time, but I mean, that's kind of how I manage my own diabetes as well. And mm-hmm. so for me, I noticed the anxiety. Um, that's kind of why before I focused more on the anxiety at the beginning of the um, episode, when you asked how I focused on making sure that my blood sugars didn't go all out of whack from this, because for me, it was really more hunkering down on the anxiety because I knew that would impact them. And then just kind of going with the flow and making my adjustments as I typically do on a weekly or as needed basis. Hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because the reason I answered the way I answered was, was like, Hey, something's happening. Use more insulin if you need it is because I, for the most part, ignore what the outside stressors are. And I just react to the graph. And, and I'm so in the moment, it doesn't matter if it's soccer or stress or what it is. I just know what to do as it's happening. And yeah. then when I see that it's happening Which over and over. Which is fantastic. Yeah. But. Well, but it's hard for well, some people don't have uh, CGM, first of all, which it makes it very difficult. Right. Um, but it's just, I don't know that, I mean, maybe Arden's A1C wouldn't be five, six right now if she didn't have a CGM. But I still think at this point. I'd be able to see the, um, I don't know what I want to call it. I'd, I'd, I'd be able to see the pattern behind what's happening. Um, right. Just, you know, from being involved in it for so long. Right. Or what I might see on my end too is like an Julia, hold on one insulin second. need. Go ahead. I'm sorry. With you guys. Oh, no, I just, I had a problem on my end. I couldn't hear you, my but it wasn't, I, you, you, whatever you were saying was oh. being recorded. You're fine. I was say on my end. So if you came to me and you were like, just going with the flow and making the adjustments as needed, I'd be able to see the increase in insulin need. If Arden was feeling a lot of stress and anxiety, and I would say, Hey, look at this. You're using more insulin, which is fine. But I'd say, Hey, are you stressed? Hey, is something going on? Yeah. It's a very strange thing. Um, Anxiety, uh, stress, depression, that stuff is, 
its own very specific monster that I don't know. I don't know that there's an answer to it. Like if you really stop and think about it, and I'll let you go in a second, but if you really stop and think about it, you know, if, if that stuff was as easy as have you tried yoga, then there'd be no depression. People would be like, I'm depressed. And I'd say, have you seen how much free yoga there is on YouTube? You, You know, like it's, there are ways of coping no. Right. And so I think a lot of people are now are seeing with this added anxiety what other people who have anxiety and stress and 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 depression every day, what they live with constantly and probably a, a lot of the times at a much higher right. level than what you're experiencing by, you know, being locked in your house, which let's be honest, if you're lucky enough to have a house, it's it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to you, you, you know, Um Right. But I mean, being just being refined or restricted in itself is the perfect, you know, it's a perfect setting to. So it's very anti people struggling right now. Yeah. I mean, people are very social, obviously animals, and this is very anti how everything about you works, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or, you know, someone is living at home or, you know, has to go into work or not. Otherwise it's just a complete throw off. Like I'm not saying a hundred years from now, like as a species, we couldn't adjust to it. I'm just saying that at the moment, the way we've progressed through, you know, evolution, this is not right for us. And it's, yeah, that's how it feels. You know, it's a really rough time. It is. All right, Julia, I think we've done well here today. I appreciate you being here. Um, Next time, (laughs) next time for people, Julia and I are going to get back together and talk about very specific questions that you've sent in. Some people send in Ask Scott and Jenny questions that I've earmarked for Julia. So if you're still listening, we're going to hit um, this question. Uh, How about mental health for children diagnosed with chronic conditions when they face denial, depression, anxiety? Um, How do I manage a kid with type 1 so they don't also suffer from depression, anxiety, eating disorders specifically? Um, And what else? How to handle older kids who sneak food and then lie about it. How to build trust and compliance when kids are really, you know, just tired of being diabetic. Those are a couple of the things that Julie and I are going to talk about the next time we record. So I hope everybody comes back the next time they see Julia's name in the title. Yay. Yeah, cool. All right. You go do your thing. You young, energetic C D C E S. CDC. Good job. <laughs> you got it. You I, got it down. It'll Julia, roll off your tongue eventually, right? Julia, I wrote it down. There's no way I was going to remember that. <laughs> Plus, by the way, CDC. Well, you fooled me. So CDC is Center for Disease Control. So, yes, it is. So yes, that's it is. what I'm Center, thinking yep. by the time I get to ES, which I believe was like a Nintendo at some point. So what I see is Center for Disease Control Nintendo ES, which I'm sure was DS, but <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, I think that, it was DS, not I, that, ES. That, that, I, think that's okay. I think you're right. But th- again, I don't know. So it doesn't matter. CDE, yeah. I know. Certified Diabetes Educator. Anyway, nobody asked me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Live your life. Julie's going to be back pretty soon answering a bunch of questions from listeners about uh, more kind of psychological things about type 1 diabetes. Imagine Ask Scott... Imagine Ask Scott and Jenny if Jenny was Julia. That's what it'll be like. Thanks so much to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Please, again, consider getting a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod Tubal Insulin Pump by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. 
And I cannot stress enough the goodness that will come into your life if you check out the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Let me remind you that if you're enjoying the Juice Box podcast, the best way to say thank you is to share the show with someone who you think might enjoy it. It's the biggest thing you can do. How do you do that? That's up to you. But find some people who you think would love the podcast and tell them about it. And they might not know how to use a podcast app, so you can show them. You can show them how to open up the app, search for the podcast, and hit subscribe. And my goodness, if you have an app and you are not subscribed, mm, you're going to make me cry. Hit that subscribe button, peoples. Clicky, clicky, clicky on this subscribe. My son is texting me. He's very upset that (laughs) he is very upset. He's like, why would the Tampa Bay Rays run there on that ball? Is this guy stupid? My son does not like base running mistakes. All right. That's neither here nor there. I hope you're enjoying the show. I'll be back soon. Uh, If all goes well, meaning if my computer doesn't blow up. I'll have a small episode for you this weekend about how Fiasp went for Arden. And then next week, how we eat edition, uh, carnivore diet. And I think I might do an after dark about heroin addiction. I might do that. That might be how I set up next week. All right. If I do everything I mean to do, The next episode will be about, it'll be a short episode explaining how Fiasp went, followed by How We Eat episode. Well, I just let the genie out of the bag here for a second. Wait, the genie's not in a bag, right? The genie's in a bottle. Why don't I just let the genie out of the bottle here for a second? The bag. I mean, it's bad enough they're in a bottle, right? But a bag? That didn't didn't make any sense. I feel a little dumb about that right now. Anyway, tomorrow I'm getting up. I feel like it, I'm rambling like a lunatic, and I'm not editing any of this out. And I said editing correctly, so definitely not editing it out. Oh, damn it. Now I screwed it up. Um, <laughs> from the Fundamental Health Podcast with Paul Saladino, MD, Paul Saladino will be here to talk about eating carnivore. And then I am going to do an After Dark uh, and then I'm going to get you the After Dark episode that I just recorded with um, a lovely woman in her mid to late 20s who has been addicted to, to opiates for a decade and is uh, has a hell of a story. So, uh, yeah, if you're not subscribed, subscribe, because if you are subscribed, it'll pop right up on the screen of your phone and be like, hey, the podcast just came out and you'll you'll know it's there.